Help support your local businesses. Whether they're your corner stores, coffee spots, or favorite shops, local businesses have always been on your team, supporting you and your community. They remember your order and call you by name, always giving back, making a difference, and going that extra mile. But right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support, so let's be there for them. The next time you go shopping, help your team score, choose to shop at local businesses. And while you're there, look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with the contactless Visa to help support your community. Because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be. Official partner of the NFL. Get your popcorn ready. It's game time, baby. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a team that is known as Stoppers. Stoppers. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Every single play, go take it. Bring that juice. Let's go get it. Come on. Chicago's best Bears coverage. Go Bears. Go Bears. From NBC Sports Chicago, it's Adam Hogue. The Bears angst in general. Everybody's like angry about it, I feel like. Just relax. And from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. This is just how it is. It's a range of emotions. It's a range of feelings and hot takes. Here they are. Fiery, feisty, and frequently ill-tempered. The Adams, Hogan Johns. Two and oh. Just want to remind everybody, two wins, zero losses. Welcome in Hogan Johns with you on a Tuesday. The record has not changed. The All-22 no. may be out, but the Bears are still still 2-0, and oh, everybody. I'm glad you bring up the All-22 because I want to get to that in a moment. Strong opinions on some not, of the things. Not I've you. Seen. Not you. No. Okay. No, oh, I yeah, don't ever. Yeah. Okay. No. Uh, not hot takes, strong opinions. There's a yeah. difference. <laughs> hot Before, takes would be one thing I kept hearing today. Uh, all these people that loved the Lions two weeks ago are now not giving the Bears any credit for beating the Lions. That, that type of stuff. Uh, we'll get into it. Welcome in our midweek episode. We're officially into week three sort of uh, moving on from the Giants game, but they're still planning to wrap up and uh, move ahead to the Atlanta Falcons. But the Bears are still 2-0. and Welcome in. You can follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E, at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S. Uh, it's Tuesday, so 10 Bears things are up at NBCSportsChicago.com. On my end, Johns. Five takeaways. Five takeaways. Up on the Athletic. You just, you know, you got to cut it in half. You go five, ten. It doesn't really matter. It's pretty much all the same content. I'll bet you the word lengths. It's all pretty much the same. We all got our things. And I got charts. I love charts. I'm a big chart guy. Charts are good. I've become a numbers guy. Numbers guy. Huh. Brandon Marshall would not like me. I don't think he did anyway, but. I was a math major. I wasn't actually, but. Boxy loved math and yeah. numbers. Yeah. I, if, if people don't understand that reference, it's. Mark Potash was once referred to as the numbers guy oh, yeah. by Brandon Marshall. Because remember, yeah. he had that stat of Brandon Marshall never making the playoffs. Oh, I yes. Think, I think that yeah. stat still stands. I don't think he ever did. No, no. For some reason, that just uh, brought up my favorite Brandon Marshall memory. What was that saying he had that turned into a David Kaplan segment? We are in the locker room. And he was just going off about something. And Chris Williams, little-known small wide receiver who played in the Canadian Football League, was standing in the oh. background and caught on camera with like making like a yikes face. Yes. What was that? 
bit they used to do uh, on Cap and Hall. Yeah. Oh, it's going to bug me. We got to find it out by People the end of People will tweet podcast. it at us later. Yeah. Caps could be mad at us, but yes. It was so well known, and now I can't think of it. But that's isn't that where Brandon Marshall was saying? Yeah, he whatever he was saying uh, there, which we'll figure out and bring back to you. Nice little tease there. Uh, Chris Williams in the background, just like, really? This guy's... Really? This guy? It, it was the best. It was the best. Um, anyway, John's is uh, charts, math, numbers, uh, Bears thoughts. It's all up on The Athletic, theathletic.com, where right now uh, you can sign up at theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns and get a subscription for $1 a month for 12 months. You can't beat that. 12 bucks. I believe that, yes. Again, you're good with the numbers. I am not so good with the numbers. What I am good at... Uh, I think is looking at some of the tape and I just, here we go. I want to, I want to start the podcast with this. I know the second half wasn't the greatest for the bears compared to the first half. Okay. If you go watch that game for the way the giants played in the first quarter was not great. And they lost Saquon Barkley and those are all facts and that's fine. They still had legitimate NFL players on the field. For a lot of that game. I mean, James Bradbury was probably the best player on the field on either side. Kyler Fackrell's a good player. Uh, Blake Martinez is a good player. Jabril Peppers is a good player. They had good players out there. The Bears also didn't have many plays in the second half. Some of that was their own fault, obviously. And they need to finish drives. There's no question about it. I guess my point is, if you're just completely discrediting the Bears 2-0 start, and you're saying that you haven't really seen anything to suggest that this team is better than they were last year when they went 8-8. Eight and eight. You're not really watching the game. And we're going to get into this here in the podcast uh, a little bit more in depth coming up with a guest I'm really excited about, Nate Tice. And not just because he's a badger, Johnsy. Uh, because he knows offensive football. He knows all football, but he knows offensive football and schemes really, really well. And I think he's going to do a better job than we can at even explaining what's going on, even though I think we have broken a lot of this stuff down in the past uh, week or so and some of the changes. But I guess my point is to just have this conversation, Johns, about how, ah, they're 2-0, but they beat the Lions and they beat the Giants. and they ha- Have they really put together more than, I don't know, three good quarters out of eight? Those are, I guess those are fair comments. But there's also a lot of signs that the offense is getting better. And while I haven't loved what I've seen from the defense so far, there are there's legitimate signs that as that pass rush, those three big guys in Robert Quinn and Khalil Mack. By the way, Khalil Mack, every time you go back and watch the tape, he looks way better than he does live during the game. I know people are sick of hearing that, but he really does. I think he's... I think he's closer to 2018 Khalil Mack than 2019 Khalil Mack so far, if that makes sense. Uh, And Akeem Hicks out there. As those guys play more together and gel more together, I think the defense is going to look better. This is not a bad football team, I guess is my point. And I think they're unfairly getting labeled as a completely overrated 2-0 team. And I'm not just talking locally. I'm talking nationally, too, because there's been a lot of segments out there saying the Bears are pretenders, not contenders. I just think that's not giving them enough credit for what they've done through two weeks. Well, I, you and I always thought they'd be a pretty competitive football team. Do we, do we not? I don't think we're completely – like, are, are, if you're surprised by their 2-0 start, like, you're not tracking 
who the Bears are or what they did or who, who they were playing well enough, in my opinion. I picked them to go 2-0. I, I, I think I might pick them to go 3-0. I just think they're a better team than what's on their schedule in the early going here. Now, is that a criticism of, of, of the Bears? I don't know. Maybe it's more of a criticism of, of who they're playing, but they're, they're still winning these games, and they're not – they're coming close to blowing these games, but 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 they're not. So I get, like, it's fair to have concerns. They're not blowing these teams out. The, the Lions did have a touchdown pass draft, so it's fair to be concerned. But it's fair to also acknowledge that there is a change in what the Bears are doing schematically in offense. Trubisky does look, albeit minimally, better so far in the early going here. The run game is definitely better, and... I think everybody can safely assume that the defense, like there's more there. There's definitely more there. You could be concerned about Danny Trevathan, but there is more there up front. I think there's more there in the secondary. So, and the early returns are still pretty good for that defense. I had him at 10 and 6. What did you have him at again? 9 and 7, which okay, to me so- could be good enough for a playoff berth with the extra uh, teams getting in in either conference. So I'll tell you what I think the Bears right now look like a nine and seven or ten and sixteen, which is still pretty decent. I think what pe- pe- some people are struggling to accept: it's really hard to win in the NFL, and I I think the Giants are unfairly being labeled as an awful team. I did not see an awful team when I went back and watched the tape. I think the Giants they're not a good team. But there's a difference to me between like what we've seen from the Jets, who might win like two games this year if they're Oof. lucky, and the Giants, who I think are well coached. I think Joe Judge. I like what I see from Joe Judge, and I think he's got as much as we kind of made fun of some of the names that are on that coaching staff is more because it's kind of random and fun rather than the, those. I actually think they have a good coaching staff, and I think that the Giants are gonna be. They're going to su- su- surprise a couple teams this year, and they're not going to be a pushover. And I think that's what you saw in the second half. They lost their running back, their star running back, and they came back. Daniel Jones looked pretty good. Daniel Jones was pretty good as a rookie. He's a solid quarterback. Just look, go look at the numbers. And they came out of the locker room at halftime, and they pushed back. I give the Giants a lot of credit, actually. And the Lions, I think, have more talent then is going to be reflected in their their record because I think it's sort of the opposite with them. I think they're poorly coached. But both of those teams that the Bears have beat are not awful. They're not. They may finish with bad records, and I think they they probably will. Four, five, maybe six wins. But they're not complete pushovers. That's my point. And the Bears, I think, are a team that is trying to gel on both sides of the football right now and have shown a decent amount of positives with the arrow pointing up, specifically on offense. Again, I'm not saying they're going to start blowing teams out, putting up 30, 35 points like a lot of teams in the NFL are doing right now. They're going to have to rely on that defense a little bit. But there's a lot of positives to take away. and Just dismissing their 2-0 start is not fair. See, like, I, I, but I understand the reasons for dismissing part of it. So I, I feel like a good way to look at this conversation is, well, well, here at The Athletic, we do quarterback tiers. Mike Sano's exceptional quarterback tiers piece with insight across the league. So let's kind of use that to have a dialogue about the teams. Like, to me, the Bears right now look like a tier three team. 
right? Squarely. So in the where middle. are you cutting that off? Yeah, in the middle. In, in the middle. They're in the middle, right? By the way, my weekly power rankings are up to this morning. I got them fifteenth. Okay. So and I didn't the- and I didn't move them up or down from last week. Okay. So the beer, the bears are the beers, the bears, the beers. Beers are good. We'll get to that later. The bears are this tier three team, at least in my opinion. Maybe they become tier two if the defense improves as we think they can. But at tier four, I think you could safely put the Giants and the Lions in there. Again, tier five is reserved for like those horrendous teams, which looks like the Jets right now. Maybe the Dolphins by by the end of the season, depending on what happens down there. That's just how I would view this conversation, especially for those who are being overly critical, overly critical again, of the 2-0 start by the Bears. I kind of wonder if Tier 3 might end up being the floor for this team, though. I guess is kind of what I'm saying. And, and I think that that arrow might be pointing up towards them potentially being a Tier 2 team uh, if they can really get this offense rolling. Well, we're going to we're gonna get a little bit more hardcore into the offense here with Nate Tice coming up. But I know you guys tune in on Tuesdays for the voicemails. The voicemail line was hot on Sunday, as it usually is during Bears games. And uh, we'll bring those to you right now. Hello? Do you know who this is? Oh, you didn't know? Your ass better call somebody! The Hogan John's voicemail. The Hogan John's voicemail line. Believe it or not, George isn't at home. Please leave a message at the beep. Got any questions or comments about the Bears? Give the guys a call before, after, or even during the game. Go Bears! Oh my goodness, Bears catch a break. Too bad Miller can't catch a football. Shouldn't have been that close anyway. Oh. Hello, this is uh, Igor Tcharkovsky. I think in this voicemail I will leave a little bit of wisdom. Old proverb from far, far north. We learned that NFL does not care about the blown lead. They care whether you win or you lose. And Bears win. This is what is important. Adam, Adam, Hogue, Tons. I mean, you can't be barely 2-0. You can't be barely pregnant. We are 2-0. I mean, feels good. Go Bears. Bear down. Nate Davis at USA Today can kiss my tookus. The Bears already have two wins. He predicted they'd have three. Go Bears. How do I feel after this 2-0 start by the Bears? I kind of feel like I'm hungover. You have an amazing time, you know, and you feel great. As time goes on, you, you, you feel crappy. You don't feel good. Hopefully uh, next week I won't feel hungover anymore. I need a drink to settle down. Probably more than that coming up this week. Cheers. Yeah, I think uh, personally, I think uh, Mr. Trubisky, I think he needs to uh, step up a little bit more. If he don't step up, we ain't going to make it. Guys, can somebody tell Mr. Trubisky this is the NFL, not the NBA, for God's sake? Can we just hit him in the hands or hit him in stride and stop throwing behind them and 10 feet over their head for crying out loud? Mike, from the wrong side of the cheese curtain, there are two halves to every game. And the second was really damn lame. So let's stick with the first when they didn't look cursed. And Mitch was collecting acclaim. 
Hey guys, I'm just letting you know right now, Mitchell Trubisky is the future of the franchise, man. He needs to be starting every week. Forget about Foles, forget about Trevor Lawrence. Bears are 2-0, and we're rolling on. Bring on Atlanta. Bring them on. I like the pregnancy reference. Those are good voicemails. They, they brought it this week. I, I liked it. Tookus. You get a Tookus reference. To any, a, anytime you can get a Tookus reference. You're, Poor you're, Nate Davis is Tookus. You're, <laughs> you're doing pretty good. Thanks to everyone calling in on the voicemail line. Really, really good stuff. Keep it going uh, all season long, of course. One of our favorite segments and a good home here on Tuesdays on the podcast. I like it a lot. Uh, all right. Told you Nate Tice is coming up. You know that name. His dad is Mike Tice. Bears. That's coming up next here. We got to take a quick break, though. Well, maybe as you're enjoying the Bears game on Sunday and calling into our voicemail line, you might be enjoying the original light beer, Miller Light, which has always been there to bring people together through Miller time. Right now, enjoying a Miller Lite with friends looks different for everyone, but staying connected is just as important. You know what, Adam? I've been getting these texts from friends where they're celebrating in their in their backyards. They have a nice barbecue going. I've seen a bunch of Miller Lite there. Um, the Bears are giving, uh, I think, Chicagoans a lot of things to celebrate right now. They are, they are 2-0, right, my friend? 2-0, I believe our the voicemailer said, uh, you, you can't be sort of pregnant. You're all the way pregnant. You're all the way 2-0. He said it way better than I just did, though. So, um, hey, but Miller Lite is the only beer of the Chicago Bears. No matter where you're watching the game, it's always Miller time in Chicago. Pick up Miller Lite for your game day needs. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. All right, let's bring in Nate Tice, who you can hear on the Athletic Football Show with Robert Mays. I was actually just listening to their latest episode before we got going here on Hogan Johns. Nate, of course, uh, he played at Wisconsin. Was uh, we actually over? Well, I don't think we overlapped, but uh, we were there close together. I don't know how many podcasts you go on, Nate, where one of the hosts can vividly remember your 17-yard touchdown run against Indiana, but this is one of them. That's uh, that's great. So yeah, okay. So number ten, I think this is the tenth podcast I've ever been on. So you, we made it before we got into true double digits. That's awesome. <laughs> the Indiana, that blood fest in the Indiana, my junior year, eighty three twenty was the final score. I, I think I called myself the human victory cigar. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, your, did your put? Did your touchdown take it over eighty? I forget. It did. I, I made did. Bucky do eighty three push ups. And uh, and the, the funny thing about that whole play was that it was more or less – it wasn't really – it was a QB keeper, but the play that I was doing isn't designed to have a QB keeper on it. It was like a pin-pull play, and then Paul Chris was really trying to get me blown up, and I just had a little bit of luck at the Irish, and <laughs> the guy slipped and fell, and I was able to just scamper into the end zone. I had no mouthpiece in. I you know, wasn't even ready to play that day. Oh, it was it was it was beautiful though. I'm glad you still remember it. <laughs> That's awesome. And then meanwhile, Brett Bielma and Paul Chris had to answer questions about running up the score. Yep. And, and then it's like, uh, yeah. no one tackled you. It's no not your did. fault. They had the starters in, the guy fell over. What else am I supposed to do? Like help him up and let him tackle me? Right. 
Uh, well, well, welcome, man. Uh, speaking of Brett Bielema, that's actually a decent transition because he was on the sidelines on Sunday at Soldier Field with the New York Giants, and uh, we do want to get your thoughts on on some bear stuff here. Um, what do you think about Mitch Trubisky so far these first couple games? You know, I so this spring I did a little breakdown of him, and one thing I kind of noticed, and it was just like you're trying to find anything to make him to salvage uh, a guy like Mitch. And one of the things that I, I really noticed was when he starts hitching and starts bouncing around a lot, all of a sudden his feet get out of whack and he ends up being late. And he has, he's not like a true, true polished QB now. I know he's been starting for a few years. He didn't start that much in college. He's always been in a gun, you know, so he hasn't had that under center experience where it has that, that polish, everything comes out on time. And one thing I noticed that they've done so far this season is some there's been improvement in it. And I don't know it's because mentally it's becoming easier on him on uh, some of the concepts are running. We can talk about that in a sec, but it just seems like his brain has calmed down a lot. So it's his feet has calmed down a lot. He still has his stupid moments where he'll start scrambling around and he throws it. He like, he, he tries to do too much sometimes when he has to improv rather than just like, just make it simple on yourself, dude. And, but sometimes on this dropback stuff and these play action concepts are running for him. It's it's slow. It's really helped him mentally process. Maybe because it's just made it easier on him, taking out any fat that he had on these concepts. And we can start talking about. I mean, if you want me to transition, like they haven't been running many RPOs. It looks like, and they and it looks like, especially in the Giants game, they start they dabbled this against the Lions. They're running a lot of hip slot, so twelve personnel, wing tight ends, and then both receivers on the other side. YY wing, I think is how defensive guys call it. I call it hip slot. And they started doing this a lot. And actually, Bears fans will probably remember these kind of formations and concepts from when Tressman was there. In the Cutler-McCown year, when they had a really good couple years on offense, or a year and ish decent offense, and they were hitting Matt Forte on a lot of these checkdowns, and he was getting like 12, 15 yards a pop on it. It's those concepts. And it's and it's really what those do is it simplifies. It's two-man reads, three-man reads for Mitch, as opposed to an RPO, where he has to make everything a snap judgment right away. This stuff allows them to transition. Okay, I can alert the post. I can throw a corner or I can check it down. It is just, they're just taking away all the fat on his reads. And I think it's helping him mentally process and it's helping him physically improve as well. When you kind of take that out to do everything you just said there about making it <laughs> mentally easier for the guy, I feel like some fans or, or critics of Trubisky will get it. Well, it's because he can't handle everything else. But like, Correct me if I'm wrong, but you see a lot of this across the league for for a lot of different teams. Uh, do, do you not? I do. It, it's it's play action. I know we harp on it. Everyone wants to run play action every single play. There, you know, there all the studies that are showing that it's the most effective play. But the reason it's an effective play, it's pretty easy on every single quarterback that runs it. It's not as uh, it's kind of talent proof, I should say, is that it raises the bar. I mean, whatever idiom you want to use here, but it really raises the floor for some of these guys that maybe don't process things. Because right now, these, and this is what old football was it was these heavy play action concepts with two big deep routes and a check down, touchdown to check down stuff. And then things got away when the West Coast stuff started infiltrating everywhere. Everybody runs West Coast concepts now, but that stuff needs a quick trigger man and a quick operator. And a guy might not be comfortable reading those things every single play. They can do it. Like every NFL quarterback can do some processing. They have to. You can't make it this far without being able to process somewhat. But then these things happen a lot quicker. Blitzes are crazier. 
defenses are just way more complicated than they were even a decade ago when everyone the cover two was prevalent if you just watch any tape from 10 years ago it's Aaron Rodgers shredding cover two every week and it's now it's there's so much more varied the pass rushers has been emphasized not not everyone has to pass rush now so these things are more exotic and so actually what's happening for offenses is rather than overcomplicating it because the defense is getting complicated they've gone to a simpler stuff the rams are doing this with golf and some people want to call it with training wheels it is good football though it's like hey don't you like 18 yard gains 20 yard gains (laughs) who cares how you got them not everyone has to be joe montana progressing five reads every time it's it just doesn't happen that way things are quicker you have to you have to do these things to get these chunk plays because pass rushes are too quick that you can't do a straight drop back anymore well and, and nate i think a lot of bears fans are frustrated that this stuff didn't happen sooner like in the middle of last season but i just we talked about this a lot on this podcast i don't think that stuff was just in the it wasn't installed. You can't just install a whole new offense in the middle of the season. You could put in packages here and there, which we saw at times, but there just wasn't enough of it. So in the offseason, Matt Nagy goes out, brings in new coaching staff. Uh, Bill Lazer's here. John Filippo's here. Different uh, Juan Castillo, I think, is having a huge uh, impact on the offensive line. And now we're seeing all these different influences. I feel like you would have a better idea of, I, I guess, some of those – flavors that those coaches bring in here at least a little bit but what are you seeing in some of the I mean you've broken it down a little bit but some of the the new stuff that the Bears are doing because to us a lot of this looks like a completely different offense through two weeks yeah and honestly like doing a study knowing I was coming on here and being able to just okay give myself an excuse to truly study them quote unquote study them but I mean because some of this stuff I just watch a game and I just let it wash over me and kind of just see what I see make some notes throw some stuff on Twitter to get some, some karma, um, so get some, get some dopamine, but it's like, you know, so I got an excuse to actually watch and study. And I completely agree with what you were just saying there is that this looks so much different than what they were running before, where they was trying to do, they're trying to do their best chiefs, Andy Reed impression every week. And it just seemed like they're just throwing shit out there and then trying their own version. That was like a diet Coke version of that with a less, a way worse trigger man. And maybe not the team speed that the chiefs are having. So I think right now is they're like, Hey, we're playing to our strengths. And also like going, you were talking about uh, talking about the new coaching additions with what they're doing in the run game is really good, and what they're and they're running so much more under center than they were uh, the previous years. They're really putting all this stuff under center, and the run game is and and, they're, and the thing with the run game too, it's not like they're just running one new concept; they're running everything. They, I, I saw a counter in there. Um, the toss plays to Patterson were really nice. They ran a counter play to, uh, to CP, too. That was really nice. Um, power zone, pin pole. They ran Bob against the Lions, uh, which is a, a lead zone play out of I formation. So what they're doing is kind of just – it's funny. It's like rather – they're not reinventing the wheel. They're kind of going back to the basics. They're like, hey, we just got to have a good base rather than running all this crazy stuff every week because Mitch, I don't think, had the mental – capacity not that he's dumb or anything but maybe that quarterback knowledge to run new shit every single week they're like no we're gonna just run these core nice simple solid football concepts under center try and make it as much under center as possible to tie everything in together and then they're just easing into it and it's really cool it is a totally new offense i agree with you it it looks so much more different than i was expecting to go when i went in to watch him his two trubisky's two touchdown passes i wanted to, to get your thoughts on them because Two improvised plays, um, not exactly how it's how it's drawn up, but you need that from your quarterback. You you, you need just 
players to make plays. You know, you need your quarterback to be your best playmaker sometimes. I'm curious, as someone who, who played the position, like take us through what you think Trubisky's going through um, because I think the Bears have always wanted to see more of that, you know, especially yeah. when bro- plays break down. Yeah, and that that's becoming one of the greatest or one of the most sought-after uh, traits or skills for quarterbacks these days is the ability to improv. It's it's a combination. It's kind of talking out of both sides of your mouth, but this actually matters because Mahomes is a great. I mean, I, I, you can't always compare it to Mahomes because he's just in his own god tier. But the the ability to pre snap read ability to see what you're about to be given and then the comprehension after that the post snap read and yes everyone's always wanted to do that but how fast these defense are playing everything's really coming down to a read number one hopefully you get to progression number two and then ad lib and scramble and extend place that's what nfl offenses are becoming every even if it's a quick hitting offense or quick hitting throws or deeper throws it's becoming a one hopefully get to two Legs is your three. It's not the one, two, three, four check down anymore. It just isn't. And that is something that it kind of – you're seeing with all these quarterbacks that are coming in, the Sam Darnolds of the world, the Josh Allens of the world, Lamar. Lamar's his own thing too. But these big guys that we used to think as just big statues, these guys are freak athletes for how big they are. And it's everybody. It's not just, you know, originally it was just Cam as this big guy. And then Andrew Luck was transitioning. Andrew Luck was a freak athlete as well. They're more, all these guys, even the ones that we're going to be considering quote unquote average are going to, the level of athleticism, athleticism at this position, even these guys that we consider pro style guys. I mean, these guys are all can make stuff happen with their legs. You have to these days. That's why Derek Carr struggles a little bit is that he just, he's trying to work from the pocket, but these coverages are too good. You can't really unravel. You have to change the throwing angle and you have to change the pressure. And really uh, the best, sometimes these best third down offenses too. I know I'm going all over the place with this too, is using a legs as a quarterback using their legs. Cause you're seeing so much more man coverage these days too in the NFL. So they have all their backs turns and then also Patrick Mahomes did against the chargers the other day. And he honestly, that was their third down offense was just Mahomes waiting for all the defenders to have their backs turn and then him running. And that's becoming a read though. That's that used to be frowned upon. Everyone wanted their quarterback to look like operate from the pocket, do stuff. But no, it's becoming an ad lib league, and I think it's a necessity these days. So, Nate, everything that you've brought up here about what the Bears are doing conceptually on offense, what do you think the the Falcons, the Colts, the two teams that are about to play the Bears here in the coming weeks? I mean, what 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 are their coaching staffs defensively right now? thinking and scrambling like oh wow this okay this is all looking a lot different than what was on tape and what we studied in the off seasons you know whatever study they did on the bears what should we expect to see from opposing defenses now as they adjust to what matt Nagy and mitch trubisky are doing you know uh teams were going to want to spy or have a whole player usually what we consider a spy is either a robber that really has more coverage duties and does something or a whole player that has coverage duties. And then well, maybe some weeks emphasize reading the quarterback. You know, I don't think really they have to worry about the Falcons to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you know, the Falcons could do whatever they want. They're going to run what they always run every week. But, you know, um, I think more it's, it's those guys are going, Hey, take away number one. And then it's more that they're going to emphasize, Hey, our pass rush has to keep contained and you can't be super aggressive, but that's what ties into is now that helps the old line a little bit. Cause these guys might not be coming in pressuring with their hair on fire. Cause they go, Oh, well we don't want to give up, give away the right lane because Mitch, Mitch is going to break contain 
and we're going to hit get hit for 14 yards. I think uh, the one against Detroit, he got face masked on. That was a huge scramble he had. He had because that play was dead. And he, I thought he was just going to get a couple of yards, and he somehow was just kind of shimmied his way to 14 yards. I mean, those were big plays. So, but then we get to the Colts. Colts are, are have a little more talent on their defense. They lost Hooker, but what they're really going to more do is that their defensive line and linebackers are going to get. Hey, you can't just run in there blindly and let the, let him break contain because that is just devastating to us. As far as like zone or concept wise, they might run a little less man coverage because they're scared of of Mitch running. And I know they they won't run two man because that is two uh, two man is just death if you have a, a scrambling quarterback. So you can get maybe some man coverages, which is good because. I mean, I actually kind of want Allen Robinson man coverage against anybody, but you know, but it actually might open up some things when they have to run like a basic ass zone, and that'll be easier for Mitch Trubisky to read and find a throw in. Overall, Nate, what have you thought about maybe the quarterback play after two weeks? Kind of, I don't know, very very hit or miss depending who you're looking at. I mean, Russell Wilson is outstanding. Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes, but a lot of these young guys. Your Baker Mayfields or Sam Darnolds, even you could throw Trubisky in that conversation. Just it seems to be like a quarter by quarter, almost a series by series thing for some of them. What what have you taken note of as you sit down on the couch on Sunday? It's you know, and the like the Darnold stuff. It's like how much of that is the situation he's in, and so like I, I I'm always going to defend Darnold because I'm just like a sucker for him because of those flash throws. Um, but 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 guys like Josh Allen are improving, and again, it's it's so hard for me because now, especially as I'm doing more of this, where I have to throw opinions out here and takes out here, I really want to evaluate these guys after four weeks. Because then I think there's enough plays and a different defenses that these guys go against that you can really see. Because it's like Josh Allen's going against Miami. Okay, the Dolphins are what are they this year? Are they still in that rebuilding phase? Are they trying to win games? You know, you kind of can see it a little bit more. I think so. So I want to see more. It's a little TBD answer, but yeah, I do think some of these guys. I mean, Kyler's ascending, but you know, Dwayne Haskins and Drew Locke didn't look like they really took a leap at all. Or, or it didn't look like the game slowed down for them at all. And I think the last, the lost time, the lost offseason time really hurts those guys that are in year two. And I think there is something to that. And I think guys that had continuity from their stat, coaching staffs from the year before are the ones that are benefiting the most. I, I think other everyone's kind of stated that as far as positions and O-line cohesiveness. But I think with quarterbacks and being able to just go, as opposed to just installing all whole new offense and hearing verbiage that they've never heard before, through what we're doing right now, like a Zoom call, they already know this stuff. So it's more review as opposed to the stuff that they're getting installed and new and fresh into them. So it's a little easier to review things over a Zoom call in the off season than it is to maybe learn something on your own. Because then it's a Zoom call for an hour and a half and then it's like, all right, you're on your own. A little easier to review stuff that you've done before. So I think some quarterbacks, it's really does a rambling answer like always. I think some of these quarterbacks too is that the ones that had the coaches and offenses that they've been in before are getting a little bonus, a little cushion for to grow early in the season. So I really want to see these guys though. Once we hit week five, six, and they're still struggling a little bit, okay, that's when alarm bells should start signing off for some of these guys. Nate, we can't let you get through a Bears podcast without you know, asking you about your 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 Bears coaching fa- father, do you have any good st- stories, clean stories, or or even not so clean, that you could share 
uh, with us about your dad, Mike Tice. I mean, he was the Bears' oh, line coach. He, he was the offensive coordinator. Uh, I covered him. We covered him, Adam, right? Yeah. In, in 2012. Um, what do you got for us? Oh, my God. I, I, I will say this. I'm not even pandering. We I would say, like, being a Bear, like, and I was, you know, a college kid at that time, I, we love being Chicago Bears. I could tell you that much. So I'm going to pander a little bit to this audience. Like we just, but we love the whole bear down. Love going to Soldier Field. We love Chicago. Period. Um, my parents are from New York, so it got to remind them a little bit of the big city life. I'm trying to think of like a specific story. Oh my God! I, I would say I would say more one. This is just more of me and my dad. It was we. I was at I was a GA at the University of Pittsburgh at Pitt, and we just beat up on some FCS school like beat the crap out of them and my dad was the oc he they squeaked by a team pretty early in the year and i was like oh well a win's a win <laughs> and he just always texted me back was f yeah a win's a win it's the nfl i'm not gonna take any of these wins for like wins for granted like i just got a rant from my dad and i was just like oh, okay love you love you good job good job dad like you know but like these chicago days when especially when he was the oc that was like exciting for him because he's never truly been the play caller like when he was a head coach he did some of the stuff uh, when uh, Lenahan left and everything, but all of a sudden he got in Chicago and he got to do that. And it was kind of fun to see that different side of him. Cause now all of a sudden he has to think about the pass game. <laughs> you know, when he, when it was in Minnesota, it was a lot easier cause it was just, Hey, it was just, you know, bombs away to Randy Moss. I would say some of that evaluation that he came in with as an OC was he knew the receivers he wanted to get Cutler. There's a reason they went after Brandon Marshall, not just personality wise, but also they drafted Alshon Jeffrey for a while, for Jeffries for a reason, and that's because of his catching range. Because Cutler, when he was when he was off, you know those misses were, you know, good he was off. <laughs> it was it was off. So the one thing that my dad emphasized in the draft meetings, he's like, we need tall, long receivers just to catch all those wild throws. And so those types of things, I'm trying to remember more. Maybe next time I come out, I can have a more better specific story. But I know that my dad loved being a bear, and I like being a fan of the bears. So that was fun. Well, Nate, uh, this is great stuff. I, I do want to ask you, before we get out of here, one thing that's connected to Wisconsin but still tied to the NFL. I mean, because you were you were there when Russell Wilson had his one season uh, at Wisconsin, and I was still sort of covering the team at that point, even though I was not a student anymore. And I just, I just remember watching that – first of all, and you know this, Wisconsin doesn't have quarterbacks like that very often. No. Uh, or maybe ever. And but did you? I always thought going into the draft that year that teams were just overlooking Russell Wilson, that he could have been a first round pick, and maybe some of that was biased. But when you saw his raw arm strength and some of the things that he could do, he looked like a pro quarterback to me, even though he was, um, you know, smaller, obviously. But he's proven that that didn't matter. And then you also obviously have ties to Paul Christ, who quite frankly, could be coaching offenses in the NFL easily. He's such a good offensive mind. Just what are your takeaways from those experiences that you had, both watching Russell Wilson that one season and then obviously your ties to Paul Chris and just what he's able to do as an offensive coach? Yeah, Chris Chris coach offense like anywhere. Any give him any skill set of players, any talent. We that's the thing, the misconception with Chris. Everyone's like, oh, all he does is pound the rock. You know why he pounds the rock? Because he's at freaking Wisconsin. You know, he was at Oregon State as an offensive caller. Look at those stats. He had receivers over a thousand yards. Derek Anderson was over four thousand yards. Like it's just what he's got. And he knows what he's got. Um, I think Paul Chris is one of the I'm gonna be biased, he's one of my mentors, so just disclaimer, but he is one of the greatest football minds I've ever been around, bar none. 
Um, he just gets the game. He is a big emphasizer on you're not just a position coach. So say if you're a quarterback coach, I'm not just a quarterback coach. I'm a football coach. So I should learn all of the game. And that is something that has stuck with me more than anything is, yes, it's great to be an expert at one field of this game, but NFL or football is so amazing as there's so many aspects of it. And not just being a quarterback guy, he wanted me to learn about O-line play. He wanted me to learn situational stuff. And it's stuff that he asks a lot out of you, but it's never in a, it's more in like he asks what he expects out of you. And it's, it's, I've been so thankful for stuff he threw at me as a player. Uh, but Russell honestly took about three plays to, to for <laughs> us to go, okay, yeah, he's good. Like, I mean, he just, the thing with Russell too was he's, he was already a pro as, as a college player as far as his work ethic and how he went about things. And it makes sense because he, he did some minor league baseball at that time as well. And he things like small things like that we'd run a seven-on-seven seven drill. Guys are covered. He would start a scramble drill and break out of the pocket and try and make a throw. And what that did was make the offense better and the defense better. First quarterback and coaches I've heard over the years go like, hey, make sure you scramble, make something alive. That, Russell was the first guy because it is part of his game that did it in practice in drills that are usually it's not emphasized. So I saw those aspects where I was like, his football IQ is he's not just an athlete or a short little athlete running around back there. It's like, he is like a legit quarterback playing back there. And honestly, if we look at those stats, the 2011 season, our advanced stats, it was like the greatest offense up until these Oklahoma teams, these past couple of years with Lincoln Riley. Like you look at the football outsider, FEI stats, all the S and P stuff, like our offense was head and shoulders above people. Like we were scoring a touchdown on over 50% of our drives. And it was because, I mean, because we had the Wisconsin base, but then like you said, we'd have a court, we never had a quarterback quite like Russell. And it was being around with a, a I'm going to just say it, a genius like Paul Christ with the talent that we had on the O-line, the whole team and with Russell, it was just magic. I mean, right away I've been around great people and great teams. You kind of know, but like, being around Russell was like, honestly, it was one practice. And I was like, yeah, he's starting. Like, why are we even doing this facade? <laughs> like, this, he's freaking unbelievable. He's the greatest person I've ever, or greatest quarterback I've ever seen throw on the move. He throws one of the greatest deep balls I've ever seen in my entire life. And that's, I've been around Dante Culpepper. I've been around freaking Gus Farad. I've been around these guys that can just launch these beautiful deep balls. He's, he throws them better than anyone that I've been around. I mean, he has this skill set that's almost like a, like, a six, four statue quarterback, but he's also a freak athlete and can scramble with the best of them. So it's just a complete package. I thought my dad loved him. He wanted to draft him in the fourth round. And that is a bonafide fact. And uh, you can find a sports illustrated article. If you don't believe me, fourth round bears were taking Russell Wilson. So I know. So yeah, you got that one though. (laughs) Yeah. You get that, get the hang that over your head. So yeah. Uh, yeah. But he loved him because he saw what we saw. He watched every game and he was like, Oh, Hey, I can wait. We can wait till the fourth to get him." But it's all these, it's he has the skill set of a true traditional quarterback like that's what's unbelievable he throws these deep balls he he throws everything out on time but then he also just has everything that russell wilson that we know of so it's just he's unbelievable and i i it's kind of funny now that everyone's now standing up and going like oh yeah he's the mvp candidate dude's been mvp candidate since like or like a bonafide guy since year two he was starting as a rookie and was i mean he was great as a good starter as a rookie and we're like surprised now 10 years later that he's like even better which yeah it just blows my mind you have no idea how much pain you just caused our listeners with that right there i know and i and i totally believe it but here's the thing you couldn't talk your dad into talking i guess it would have been jerry angelo at the time to go second round at least it was uh it was uh what's his face his first year oh it was phil emery's first year phil emery's first year yeah 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 that's right 
Yeah, that's why. Okay, uh, that actually makes more kid, sense then. You took the kid from Boise in the first round. Uh, Shea, uh, Shea McClellan. Shea McClellan. Shea McClellan. Yeah, nice little uh, science right there. You're welcome. <laughs> it just gets more and more painful there. Oh, wow. Well, uh, look, Nate, as you have heard in this interview, outstanding football insight, and uh, he tweets a lot of it. So you should be following him on Twitter, at Nate underscore Tice. A uh, lot of video, a lot of – you learn a lot. Listen to him. So, uh, And, of course, you can check out the Athletic Football Show. Uh, you'll hear Nate on there as well. And uh, we've told you about that podcast before. Definitely check it out if you haven't already. Nate, thanks so much for jumping on with us. This has been great. Uh, maybe sometime down the road we'll we'll do it for even longer. I love that. Thanks, guys. Well, there you have it. Last uh, eight, nine years of this franchise could have been a lot different. <laughs> if Mike Tice was running the Bears draft room, everybody, you would not have Shea McClellan. You would not have maybe a Brandon Harden, maybe a bold move in that draft. You'd have Russell Wilson. Wait a minute, though. Wait a minute, though. He he would have waited to the fourth <laughs> I round, know, too. I know. I so know. So we can't say that Mike Tice would have fixed everything. Um, what a great nugget there, though, from Nate. And what they needed was somebody to step up in the second round or, heck, even in the first round because it would have been justified based on what you've seen from Russell Wilson's. So Russell career. Wilson won 75th in the 2012 draft. Brandon Harden, the Bears' safety, who did not appear in a regular season game, I believe, went number 79. Well, not much. I mean, it's a good thing he wasn't taking one Now, do you remember, before we get to the fish man here, um, do you remember who the Bears took in the fourth round that year? In the fourth round of 2012? The round, again, that Mike Tice uh, wanted to draft Russell Wilson. Tight end Evan Rodriguez at number oh, 11. Yeah. Kind of an H-back guy. Career totals, four catches, 21 yards. Yeah, he hit some off-the-field issues. That did not go well. That did not go well. So what you're saying is they could have had Russell Wilson and they could have had Bruce Arians. And uh, did not happen. Said they did, did not happen. Things things went a lot different. And now here we are, though. The Bears are two and zero with Mitch Trubisky, as we've established multiple times on this podcast so far. Uh, really enjoyed that conversation with Nate Tice, and um, it'd be great to. Uh, we'll probably have him on again at some point. Maybe get a little bit more in depth with some of the stuff. Every once in a while. Like to get a little X's and O's on you, and uh, I know some of that stuff. Some of that stuff's even over my head, uh, to be honest. Uh, but uh, if you stick with it, I think you really learn a lot. And uh, like I said, go follow him on Twitter at Nate underscore Tice, and you can kind of uh, absorb it at your own pace. Then, and um, a lot of stuff will start to make sense. So I really enjoyed that conversation. All right, I also enjoy talking to Kevin Fishbane on Tuesdays. It's a, it's the best part of my Tuesday. I don't know about you, but no? Okay. Just mine. Johns isn't even listening anymore, which is fine. I'm used to that. Uh, we're going to take a quick time out, though, when we come back. Kevin Fishbay on the podcast. <laughs> Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually, we just brush it off or blame ourselves, saying things like, I lost my mojo. Or, we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work. Or, sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about it. 
with a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash Adam and get an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com slash Adam today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash Adam. GetRoman.com slash Adam. And John's with all these sports going on. You're going to want to check out Fubo TV. They got this great family plan, Adam, where three people can watch it. Once, the standard base plan has two screens at once. You get 15% off your first month plus 30 hours of DVR, and your local broadcast is there too. The NFL season right here, Fubo TV, will not disappoint. Stay updated on your favorite teams as well as local broadcast news. So go to FuboTV.com slash athletic today and get 15% off your first month. You won't regret it. That's FuboTV.com slash athletic. Start your first month today. All right, keeping things rolling on our Tuesday jam-packed, uh, it's turned out to be, edition of Hogan Johns. Uh, talking about your 2-0 and Chicago Bears. And it's time to bring in our guy, our friend, our colleague, the fish dad, the fish man. Which one of those do you prefer, by the way? Um, well, I never really preferred fish man. <laughs> I really took out a life with I'm still stunned that none of your buddies ever called you that. You know, are they really buddies if they don't call you the fish? Yeah, it was just it's debatable. Yeah, it was usually just just fish on the uh on the uh, you know, on the sports courts, the ball fields. Um, sports courts? If if you were a hockey player, not on sports courts. <laughs> that would be on a rink. <laughs> In a rink. They call you fishy. Y- yeah, they probably would. Um, you know, I'll leave it to you guys. You know, you, you, you got this great podcast. You can call me whatever you want. Fishman it is. There you go. There you have it. Uh, follow Kevin Fishbane at KFishbane. You should be reading him. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast on the Athletic app, which is a great app you should have, you can check out his stuff right here, right now, as you're listening to the podcast, and you should be doing that. All right, um, Kevin. A lot of this podcast, I'd say it's been a positive podcast, despite the Bears uh, apparently being a bad 2-0 team, you know, according to a lot of people. Apparently. Uh, I, I, did, I will, sorry, my my, yeah. my former roommate texted me and asked me if the Bears are the worst 2-0 team in NFL history. Well, I think they're better than the Raiders, who are currently, although, I, I, look, the Raiders did. I don't know. Ra- Raiders beat the uh, New Orleans Saints. Yeah. You know, they travel all the way to Carolina to beat the Panthers. It's a, you know, the West Coast to East Coast, tough, uh, tough road trip. No question that they had a better win than the Bears have. I'm still not sure they're a better team. I don't think the Bears are the worst two and team in NFL history. I just, uh, I, I, I always enjoy the hyperbolic uh, reactions. Yeah, and that's kind of what we've uh, addressed so far on this podcast. Um, 
Anyway, your takeaways from the last uh, 48 hours or so reviewing the game and how how good do you think the Bears are? It's weird because I, I think they are better than last year uh, on offense. I, I really do. I mean, this, this whole Mitch Trubisky under center and running the ball, offensive line looks completely different. Dave Montgomery looks very good. Uh, and Matt Nagy's com- uh, committed to the run. I saw a stat this morning, I don't know if you guys saw this, that the Bears have thrown the ball the least on early downs in the entire NFL. Matt Nagy? I mean... Maybe he is here to run the I-formation. <laughs> I, I just... I think it's something we got to get into this week with him because I'm very curious about how this is all come about because, I, I mean, I think all of us are believers that great coaches are the ones that adapt their systems to who they have. Right. We're seeing Bill Belichick do it right. You know, Josh McDaniels do it right now with Cam Newton. And, you know, so there was a lot of critiques, I think, from Matt Nagy last year. And they're like, hey, if Mitch can't run your offense the way you want him to change your offense. And to the head coach's credit, he did. So I think the offense looks better. I think the defense is going to eventually, you know, have a couple of those games that we've been accustomed to. Uh, For the first half, it looked like they were on their way to one of those. Um, so it's weird. I think they'll, I think they're fine. I just don't know like what the ceiling is necessarily like how much, like how great can they really be when they needed a Deandre Swift drop in Detroit and a golden Tate offensive pass interference on Sunday. That's the difference between Oh, and two and two and Oh. So we had this conversation at the top of the podcast, Fishman, where we use Sano's idea of the tears. And right now we place the Bears in tier three. Are they? You place them in tier three. I got them like number two, two point five overall, two point five, two point six. No, I got them as the fifteenth ranked team in the NFL right now. So three. That's that's a three. Yeah, you're right. But the Lions and and yes, I know the Bears got out of there with 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 barely a win, and I, I know what happened against the Giants uh, with Daniel Jones having a chance to win it from the ten yard line, but. I, I still think they're the better team than those two teams. Like they, they strike me, the Lions and the Giants strike me as like tier four teams, not the worst in the league, but not as good or with the potential to be as good as the Bears. Your thoughts? Do does Adam Gase's Jets do they have their own tier? Yes. Ooh. Yes, tier yeah. ten. Yeah. Um, Remember, by the way, Jay Cutler does best career passer rating with Adam Gase's offensive coordinator. Hey, some coaches are good coordinators, yeah, and not good yeah. head coaches. Some, some, uh, some position coaches are excellent position coaches, and maybe not the best coordinators. Maybe you could say that about John D. Filippo right now, who's True. I think doing great work with Mitch Trubisky, has a great track re- track record with Nick Foles, Carson Wentz, a whole bunch of quarterbacks. Uh, but the coordinator, the coordinator stuff didn't work. Yeah, I I always enjoyed watching Adam Gase offense. I thought that was kind of it was fun, you know, considering he had like no talent to work with here, uh, outside Jay and, and and Matt Forte. But that's not why you called. Uh, yeah, I, I go if you do five tiers and then the Jets have their own tier. I, yeah, you could you could convince me the Bears are in tier three. Like, look, they're two and zero. Oh. L- let me ask you guys this. Let's play a quick quick game. I'm going to ask you if the Bears are better at this position. We're going to concentrate on We kind of did this with the defense last week. Let's do this with the offense. Is the Bears' offensive line better than it was last year? 
Yes. Yes. Are the Bears tight ends better than they were last year? Yes. Yeah. Are the Bears running backs better than they were last year? Yes. Yes. Is the quarterback better than he was last year? Yes. Are the yeah. wide receivers better? I, mm. I I'll say they're I think it's they're deeper. I mean, right from I, I've seen enough from Darnell Mooney to say that he's probably better. He's probably uh, better than Taylor Gabriel. Yeah, actually, no, I don't with know. The I would say with the potential. With the, yeah, I think the be. potential yes, because yes. I think when 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 Taylor Gabriel's healthy and Anthony Miller's healthy and A Rob, I think those three at playing at their best is still better right now than what the Bears have. So my answer to the last question would have been no, based on what we've seen it through two weeks. I don't, but the part of that, I just don't think they've played well. Yeah. I think they can play a lot better. So I think they can at least be as good as they were last year. The point is, all those other positions, you guys definitively said yes. And yes, and I would too. And I would also add, is the coaching better? What you're seeing from Matt Nagy, the play calling, is that all better? Yeah. It's I, different. I, I, yeah. I think it's clearly better. I, and I think in this case, difference is good. I, I Just compared to... The first two games of last season, that clunker of a game by Trubisky in the offense in the opener against the Packers. And then, yeah, they did beat the Broncos, but Trubisky was not good on the road in Denver as far as I can remember, right? Like he had that one throw at the end to trade Burton over the middle to, to set up Eddie Pinheiro. But the conversations after two weeks last year and this season, they're just significantly different for me. Actually, I remember Matt putting... Trubisky under wraps in Denver. I mean, that was one of those games where it was like, I know Vic Fangers on the other side, and he he really reworked the offense. And I remember coming out of there thinking, okay, like this guy, this coach can can do this. Um, and but then yeah, that, but that was also what's interesting. You brought that game up, Johnsy, is that was the first time we saw what a Chuck Pagano defense looks like with a lead. You remember, like, the Broncos moved all the way downfield, and we just kept waiting for that sack of Joe Flacco or that interception of Joe Flacco. And, and then, I, and I think we all had that same feeling on Sunday with the, the Daniel Jones show. Mark, I mean, and credit Daniel Jones. I thought he looked pretty good uh, in that fourth quarter. But th that's, that's the thing. When we compare to last year, if we're talking about the beginning of last year, I mean, in that Packers game last to start the season, the Bears' defense looked like it did in 2018. That might have been one of the only times all of last year it looked that good. Um, but th this defense, you had excuses for week one. It was the first game, all that stuff. You know, week two, you get the turn, you get the takeaways. I, 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 this is going to be a huge test against Atlanta because they, I mean, they can score. Um, but I think it's strength against strength. I know you guys are getting this on Thursday when you look at what, what's really been good and I think underrated is Kyle Fuller. Jalen Johnson and Buster Screen are playing very, very good football right now. I would go out and say, Kevin, that the secondary is actually the strength of the the defense yeah. right now. Yeah, I think so. And look, you, you know, there's there's a lot of question marks about Danny Trevathan um, because of his playtime being literally cut in half uh, against the Giants. Uh, we, we don't have to get into that. To, to me, like, what's going on up front? I know what some advanced numbers say. That the pass rush is okay, but I've seen advanced numbers. I put this in my five takeaways today that they're not that good. To me, the feel that I get watching it live, and then maybe I do feel a little bit different when you see it on tape later. But like 
they're not as good as they should be right now. They can get better, but they're not affecting games like they're paid to do, like they're promised to do. I I wonder, and I don't want to I don't want to give him an excuse because the great players this good shouldn't matter. This whole uh, de-emphasizing of holding by the officials is interesting because, uh, I mean, I, there were at least a few times I haven't fully rewatched the game where I thought a holding flag could have been called on you know Khalil Mack uh, in both games, and I just wonder how much. Again, it can't be a full excuse, but I do wonder how much that's impacting what these guys can do. That they, like that they're just not getting as many flags as they would have gotten in previous years. There, there are a lot of holding calls. Like, I mean, that's pretty normal, but that's a lot that's been missed. I was actually this morning watching a bunch of the the uh, all twenty two from the first game against the Lions and. Because it just came out yesterday. Yeah, basically. I'm still playing catch up there. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of... Like I saw Akeem Hicks getting ripped to the ground multiple times uh, and still making the tackle. And Khalil Mack had a uh, nice run stop in that game where he was, where he actually did get the holding call on TJ Hawkinson. That is an issue. Um, let's... Johns, you wanted to talk about this Pro Football Focus article that came out yesterday on Trubisky and really giving him a lot of credit actually and saying that he looks like a different quarterback well yeah and, and to me I, I feel like you know Mr. Trubisky is playing better when you start changing the opinions of pro football focus because I feel like they've been some of his harshest critics since he's come into the league, even like 2018, they they put that under a microscope, and you know some some of it they were proven right on last year, but now they're it's just different. Your thoughts, guys? I mean, you guys saw it, right? Like like it just I think the conversations about Trubisky are, are shifting a bit. Well, I I I know, and I wrote about this after the game Sunday, uh, and talked about it on the other the athletic podcast, the lead uh, this week is. There are so many people that just are have already written off Mitch Trubisky and just say he is who he is. And I think the fact that the, that Matt Nagy changed up the offense and this guy is playing from under center more than he ever has, you're allowed to totally reevaluate him. You know, like again, we're not saying that this is the second coming. This is a whole new quarterback. We, we we've saw we've seen enough mistakes from him in the first two games not to go that way. But I think you can sit there and still have. You know, const- you know, constructive conversations about where he's at as a quarterback because this is not we haven't seen him under center play fake. You know, making those kind of reads before, so th- it's it's different, and you're allowed to judge the progress. The other thing too, third downs were terrible in week one. They were phenomenal in week two. He kept his eyes downfield in week two. Those are two signs of improvement. I just don't think that it's it's fair to him or to uh, the analysis of the team if you're just going to write those off. Part of why I, I found this offseason so exhausting, um, beyond the fact that it was existing within a, a global pandemic, was that I felt like we, not that we were talking in circles, but just everybody, the only thing we could do was sort of talk in circles because there was so much blame to go around. Coaching, quarterback, uh, the whole thing. And we couldn't get an idea for how it would change until the season started, right? So I think that's part of the reason why 
uh, I probably started this podcast so optimistic because we're seeing that. I mean, it, this could have gone a completely different direction. As Kevin, you just said, we didn't necessarily know if Matt Nagy was willing or could adapt his offense to fit his quarterback better. I thought he could. Based on what I've learned about the guy and what people have said about him over the years, going back to when he became the Bears head coach, he seemed like a guy who, with the time in the offseason and the coaching changes that they made, would change things schematically to better fit his quarterback. And we talked about this with Nate Tice earlier. This isn't like a groundbreaking idea. Coaches do this. Uh, Most quarterbacks, probably 90 to 95% of quarterbacks, tend to be system quarterbacks. And it's like a negative connotation, but they work hand in hand. A quarterback fits the offense. The offense fits the quarterback. There's very few transcendent quarterbacks that go beyond that, like Patrick Mahomes is right now, where they can pretty much operate in whatever they're doing. I I think I'm just really optimistic that this is happening and that this offense will continue to grow this entire season because the coach is adapting to what the quarterback can do. And I think it also backs up something that this podcast in particular has made clear. Even though it hasn't gone great with Mitch Trubisky, he is not an awful quarterback. He is not an all-time bust. We have always said that. Uh, And I think that you're seeing he is potentially and probably good enough to win with in the right system with the right offense. And I think we all saw in week one, he's also good enough, maybe not consistently good enough, but every now and then he'll give you that flash where he's that quarterback you're winning because of. I think that's who he is. I think yeah. he's a win with guy who occasionally can you can win because of. You don't you don't go eleven and three for uh, as a quarterback if you're awful. Like the the way the NFL is built. I know the defense was unconsciously good in twenty eighteen, but they were eleven and three when Mitch was the starting quarterback. Like you you just can't ignore that. Um, and, and the other thing too that I always come back to with with Nagy. Do you guys remember the Chargers game last year? It was like... Unfortunately, yes. Yeah, it was I-formation. It was a ton of running plays. It was like we'd never seen anything like it with Nagy. And then they went and then they went away. You know, they lost. And I've always wondered, like, if they won that game, would they have stuck to it? Because I think the next week was Philadelphia, maybe, and that was a disaster of a first half. But Matt Nagy, a few times later that year, referenced the Chargers game is is like the the hope for the offense and the optimism of the offense and it was so confusing to me like that is not the offense that you would normally run but he kept mentioning that game and i don't know if that was a, a foreshadowing of what was to come if he knew he was going to have to make these drastic changes but it was notable that he saw something in that game remember they went to the red zone a ton in that game they just like totally failed every time they got there but that was the game that the offense was most the most consistent between the 20s and that's similar to the type of offense that we've seen the past two weeks i think what you saw kev is the maybe the idea of a potential identity mm-hmm. which that offense did not have whatsoever and you could even argue in spurts in 2018 they just they were searching for themselves maybe they I know it's kind of cliched to talk about this, but coaches actually believe in this. Like, players actually believe in this. Like, finding that identity. Maybe that's where it really started. Maybe that's the way to, to, to view that game and, and to view what they're trying to do right now. And, you know, 
there's so many things that are going to come for this team. Like there's going to be a game that Cole Komet has four catches for 50 yards and Jimmy Graham has eight catches for 90 yards. Um, you know, there's going to be a game that Tariq Cohen has one of his Tariq Cohen games where he has seven catches for 90 yards, you know, all these things. And then of course the defense, you know, pick six type of game, all these things are still to come. Like we know that they are capable of this. Um, which is why, again, you you thank your lucky stars, you're two and zero, and then you can correct the things you need to correct. You know, I think I obviously like the wide receiver play and some of the ways that the defense let the Giants come back in the game. And you know, a, as good as the run game was at times, it was too. Um, like if you look at the third and fourth quarter, either Montgomery was getting stuffed or he was getting a ten or eleven yard gain. Like there wasn't a whole lot of in between in the second half. So there's all these things that you can fix, but that also just tells you that there is still this potential for this offense to grow again. I don't know how much better the quarterback can be by the end of the season. I'm not saying, I don't know like what level he can get to, but he certainly has shown you that again, as we said, he's the guy you can win with. Well, I almost think the bigger question is what's the level the entire offense can get to, because I think right now the, the running game and the passing game are playing well off each other. Play action is a good thing for the players that are playing in this offense. Uh, And I think that they, can be very encouraged by what we're seeing in the running game right now to set all that up. And that's probably, I remember writing that last year after the London game, like that was the problem as Trubisky was by no means good, but they had no running game and that was a disastrous uh, combination. And so by establishing this running game, maybe that oddly becomes the identity of this team. We'll have to see you guys. and And going back to that too, I mean, you guys have watched this. The interior offensive line is playing really, really well. Really well. Yeah. Bobby Massey's playing well. What did that, that advanced metric had him as like the best pass protecting tackle in football? Well, if you catch a pass, yes. you automatically become that. That is protecting the pass, right? Yes. Didn't Literally. he get beat on that play? <laughs> he was like five <laughs> yards downfield. That's, yeah, That's why he was in position to catch the ball. He was on the ground. Yeah. And then he got up and the ball was there. Which was a good thing because I think that pass was going to get intercepted if it didn't get hit up in the air. Or was that the other play before that? I no, the play, the play before that would have yeah. got picked if it wasn't batted at the line. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah that ball was going to get picked off. So, hey, definitely room for improvement. Nobody's crowning anybody here uh, or saying Trubisky's outstanding. It's just it's possible that he can remain the starter of this team and play at a high level, and the Bears can still win games. Um, But you know what? They're also probably going to lose a couple because a couple tough ones because they're probably middle of the tier tier three. Johns is tier three. They're they're a tier three team, and maybe that'll even be Sunday against the Falcons, who are 0-2. But we got plenty of time to set that up for you on Thursday, and we will do that. Kevin, thanks so much for jumping on. Appreciate it. Uh, thanks to Nate Tice for coming on. Great insight from him. Thanks to our producer, Kent Garrison. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E, at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S. At K Fishbane is where the Fishman is at. Read those guys at The Athletic, theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns is where you can get a great deal right now. Signing up, I'm at NBC Sports Chicago.com. Please rate and review the podcast. We appreciate you doing that. Tell your friends, hey, Listen to some uh, some Nate Tice insight and learn a little bit about football. It's a great idea. Uh, tell your friends about it. We will be back on Thursday to preview the Falcons. Can the Bears go 3-0? 
Are they still bad if they're 3-0? Maybe. We'll find that out. See ya. Bears.